0: I remember sitting behind the wheel of my minivan. I was about to go see 14 patients in a 4-hour block and literally having like what I felt was a panic attack. I was having crippling chest pain. I was behind the wheel of my car and I was sobbing. Like this can't be life, right? Like this can't be it. Mm-hmm. This like fast pace, not feeling fulfilled all the time. Grouchy woman that is totally not me. And I was like this can't be it. Like on paper, if you look at me, I have A husband, children, I'm a physician. I went to all of these amazing schools. And, you know, I should be grateful for this amazing, incredible life that I get to have. And yet I was willing to walk away from medicine altogether because it was just no longer making me happy.
1: welcome everybody to this week's episode of the chapter three podcast I am super excited because this week we have Tanequa Miller who is a doctor and I'm not saying PhD she is a medical doctor she is a brilliant woman and uh, I met her at the inspiring women's leader inspiring women's leaders. <laughs> conference over at the University of Florida several weeks ago and uh, she was just so inspiring uh, it's exactly what the title says she was a speaker there and um, she just um, was talking about all the things that I find uh, so important and it's really the reason that I started the podcast and the community and everything and so um, she's here to tell us a little bit about her story it's a fascinating story everything that she's accomplished and everything that she's doing, now that she's also accomplishing, it's just um, it's amazing. So, um, so without further ado, Taniqua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for taking time of your day out of your day to do this because I know that you are a busy lady and uh, you've got a lot of commitments <laughs> going on. So this is very very nice of you to. to be I able I love to... the
0: concept of Chapter Three. I I just I'm really excited to be here.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So, I mean, I just, I want to hear, I want everybody to hear about you and your story and everything. So can you just tell us um, what you're doing now and then what you did leading up to you? this moment. Yeah. So hello, everyone.
0: I am Dr. Taniqua Miller. I am trained, board-certified OBGYN and I have an actual special expertise in menopausal and midlife health, something that I'm truly passionate about. These days, I am actually a life coach providing uh, professional coaching for women, uh, professional women of color who are burnt out. I not only teach them how to quit and we'll get into that, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I love but that. But
0: I also uh, help them to refocus their energies on their purpose work, on their passion projects as they cl- dive into entrepreneurship.
1: I love that. All right. So so you're a life coach now and you're doing all of this, but you were a doctor. So what on <laughs> earth? I mean, not a lot of people switch from one to the other. So extreme, really. So tell us a little bit about about your history. Yeah,
0: so... As a little girl, I think, you know, when we really look at our past, I had to really take it back to childhood. I was absolutely fascinated with the human body, especially the female body. And I remember, you know, I don't know if you remember those encyclopedias on the shelf. I would take them off and I literally would read physiology. That was me. That was the little nerdy kid. I was fascinated with like childbirth. I was fascinated with my own body as a girl. And I remember having conversations with like the teenage girls in the neighborhood talking about periods and, and dating and all of these things. And I was doing neither of them, <laughs> like eight, nine, yeah. 10. Um, And awesome. so the passion for empowerment, I would say empowerment of women and girls always rang true from a very, very early age. And as I went through school, I realized that that passion expressed itself through medicine. And so I was a undergraduate at Yale and I hated pre-med and I was just like, I don't think I can do this. And I remember one of my teaching assistants would say, if you take a physiology class and you love it, that's medicine. And of course, that's exactly what happened. And I found myself with my textbooks at the cafeteria table telling everyone about like how amazing the lungs were. So fast forward, mm-hmm. I get to medical school. And again, this, this this desire to serve women and girls was very, very strong. And I ended up um, matching in residency in OBGYM. And what's really interesting about that part of the journey is that you kind of see the underbelly of medicine a little bit. You're always told that residency is challenging, and it absolutely is. But you start seeing cracks, especially in your mentors and how hard they're working, and start really seeing and living burnout. And as a resident, you're like this is temporary. Like I, I'm, I'm, I can do hard things. I know that this is challenging. I know that I'm supposed to be sleeper deprived. Like we used to pride ourselves ourselves on who could eat the less, like the least, um, who slept the least, you know, because that was just kind of like how oh we coped. Um, and so here it is. I leave a residency. I feel very confident about my future in academic OBGYN and I take a job. And for me, my naive self, um, I come from, uh, I'm first generation, everything. My mom, my grandmother were immigrants. And so um, they took a job and they worked at their entire careers. And so I just assumed that this would be what I did. Um, But it's, it's, it's a funny thing to think that what fit me when I was in my early 30s could fit me when I'm now in my early to mid 40s is kind of silly. And so I took on this role and I really built my career um, first and then my family kind of like got into it afterwards. Like I really... Kind of fit my family into my career and what i mean by that is i knew okay i'm going to be working five days a week i'm going to have call on the weekend where i'm not home for you know 15 hours at a time i'm going to work overnight and that's just the way it is and we're going to have to figure it out as a family And slowly over time, you realize that that no longer works, that no longer fits, and that was no longer truly in alignment with what I wanted to be in my life as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as a child, like as a daughter, that I was giving all of the people that I love just the scraps. And so fast forward to just this last year, uh, part of being in academic medicine is promotion and it's different from how you think about a classic promotion you do well you get you know your your um your review with your manager you get a promotion it's a little bit more vigorous than that there are a lot of kind of like check boxes to see if you meet criteria if you're worthy of promotion and as someone mm-hmm. who is ultra highly achieve, like high achieving and highly mm-hmm. ambitious and
1: really. Have all of these- <laughs> and have all of
0: these what? talents and all of these <laughs> things. I found it so challenging to even like begin to un, un, like get close anywhere near to this promotion process. And I would have meeting after meeting after meeting and I kept being told, yes, you're doing such a great job, but you need to do more and do more. Join more committees, show more leadership, apply for more grants. Uh, submit more abstracts, and I embodied that. I said, okay, I need to do more. And as I was doing more, there was just this internal rising that was like, this is crazy. The more that you do, the more you have this almost cognitive dissonance with the person that you want to be in the rest of your life. You know, we tell people with investments, for example, don't put all of your money into one fund, right? You have to have a diverse portfolio. And yet in so many aspects of our lives, we put so much energy and effort into one part, which tends to be career. And totally don't pay attention to self-care to family, or at least give them the scraps at the end of the day. And I remember sitting behind the wheel of my minivan, I was about to go see 14 patients in a four- hour block and literally having like what I felt was a panic attack. I was having crippling chest pain. I was behind the wheel of my car and I was sobbing like this can't be life, right? Like this can't be it. Yeah. this like fast pace, not feeling fulfilled all the time. Crouchy woman. That is totally not me. And I was like, this can't be it. Like on paper, if you look at me, I have a husband, children, I'm a physician. I went to all of these amazing schools and, you know, I should be grateful for this amazing, incredible life that I get to have. And yet I was willing to walk away from medicine altogether because it was just no longer making me happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the more you had to do, the less you felt, I mean, that it was worth it. And, Mm um, and that's, that's a reality for so many people as you Mm -hmm. know, you know, and, um, I mean, not everybody walks away from something as as great as what you walked away from or has the strength to do it. Um, but, uh, but I love that you're helping women do that and, and come to the realization that, that, more isn't more necessarily. And uh, more they have to change. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love your story. I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring for so many of us who hasn't found herself sobbing somewhere and thinking that this is it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Right. And uh, that's, that, that's actually part of my story. <laughs> I think, and I use the word sobbing as well because we as women, you know, sometimes we get to our limit and we just sit there like, we can't even control it anymore. And, right. uh, you know, and, and it's, I think it's a uniquely female reaction sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and we have to allow ourselves to accept that and embrace yes. it. And it's release.
0: It's-
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes we feel ashamed about doing that. And we have to, we have to embrace it as something that's a positive and right. that, that leads sometimes to a breakthrough and that's, you know, it, a breakdown, but it's a breakthrough at, at the same time. And, um, and that's what it did, you know, to you and, um, and to so many women who, who listen to this podcast and who participate in our community, that's where they found themselves. And um, so, you know, it's, I, I love hearing it from someone else who, you know, who's, who's done it in, in, on such a great scale And, um, you know, because I think, I think like, for example, I did it on a small scale, you know, I went from one, it wasn't my first job that I went from, you know, I didn't go to medical school. I didn't do all of that, you know, but I didn't invest that much time into one profession. And, and then, you know, and I did transition to, to something else, but, you know, for, for you, and I think that that really gives a lot of women who attorneys or physicians or, you know, anything long time, long term, and, you know, an accountant, something like that, it gives them that permission to, to change and to say, and to really small, evaluate.
0: but even like the small change, yeah. like regardless of size, I feel like it could be something really small or huge. Like, I feel like I blew up my whole... <laughs> my whole life um, by making the decision to um, leave my academic role, which I eventually did. Mm -hmm. What's been really interesting is that even the small decisions start planting new seeds about your Mm self-concept when you take Mm -hmm. on something different, when you make a decision to say, this is no longer serving me, right? It Mm -hmm. sends a new narrative to your brain. It could be something small as every, I used to say as a mom, (laughs) <laughs> my younger two children have no friends because I was so overwhelmed and burnt out with just the day-to-day of trying to balance family and trying to balance career that every time an email came about a birthday party, delete, we oh. don't have time for that. Every time, oh. you know, the school emails would come and I had three kids yeah. at three different schools and I would never, my kids were always oh. Miss pajama day. And, and I had this like <laughs> self-concept that I was just not a good mom. And guess what happened? I was what I said I was. And so when I started even taking small action, right, like I did the big Mm -hmm. thing, I kind of blew up my career. But even the small things, Mm -hmm. like I was like, I have to quit this self-concept, because I actually am raising pretty decent human beings. And so I would like kind of keep little wins in like my journal, I have my journal here, I'd be like, you know, you read all three emails from the schools today. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> or i you know love what? that we can't make this weekend party but let me at least check the date oh okay we could do this one um and so yeah mm-hmm. i couldn't show up to everything i couldn't beat everything but even that small change of just making a commitment to no longer being that kind of like catastrophizing mommy that didn't have it together mm-hmm. and just saying, here i'm gonna really do my best here it started slowly changing my like narrative that I had in my brain about myself as a mom and my self-concept. So even the very small things that we can really look for them can start making big, huge waves of change in our lives.
1: Definitely. It's just changing the labels that we put on ourselves. And Indeed. <laughs> we stop labeling ourselves, you know, bad mom or, you know, bad this or, you know, whatever, whatever we're doing. Um, which, and, and the labels are always negative for some reason. It's never right. like, I'm, I'm a fabulous, whatever. No, it's always self-deprecating. You know, you're just like, I'm I'm bad at this. I'm bad at that. Yeah. I think society has put so many demands on women mm-hmm. in terms of what we're supposed to be oh my that, gosh. you know, we, we beat ourselves up when we're, when we're not, what we consider the perfect, whatever it is, um, be it, you know, Wife, employee, mother, Mm -hmm. whatever, and um, and so I I love that you changed you know that narrative because you are a great mom, and because you care about your kids, you care about what's going on in their lives, (laughs) and so if you weren't a good if you weren't a good mom, you wouldn't worry. You'd be like, I wouldn't even care. I would be like, "Eh, you wouldn't even care. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, exactly. So just by default, you know, just from that alone, you are a good mom. And and so many women are good moms, even if they feel like they can't keep it together or right. do whatever. So that label does have to change. And, yeah. um, you it know, that's, that's a lot self- of
0: like inward growth, too. You know, oh, yeah. like part of me feeling like I wasn't a good mom is because I torture myself by going on Pinterest and seeing all of the perfectly coiffed hairstyles during the family oh. photos, and all of the fun little snack bags in the charcuterie boards with Elmo's head, right? Like I was, and I was yes. just like, I just don't have. But here's the thing: I have no desire to even do that, right? And so when right. I got clear on is that how is that my definition of a good mom? No. Right? So not yeah. looking for that external validation really, really helped. And the, and part of the healing through my burnout was rediscovering my intuition. Like the story that I tell behind the wheel is that I was having rip-roaring chest pain. Like it was so uncomfortable yeah. that like I was trying to breathe through it and I knew it was anxiety. Like I had experienced anxiety since I was a med- like a medical resident. And when Mm -hmm. I finished residency, it got better. I was able to manage it without medication when I was in residency, but it just grew worse, 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 worse. And literally Mm -hmm. that's when it kind of reached a fever pitch this particular day. And I remember feeling so ashamed. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, what do people think about me? Like I'm anxious, have anxiety. This is like gross. Like I don't like this. And I, and I use the word extract. Anytime the pain came, I just wanted to extract myself from wherever I was. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had to discover um, through a tapping session EFT, EFT um, was that that pain was, like, probably intuition knocking. <laughs> that I had yeah. suppressed so much of, like, kind of, like, the SOS stop signs, mayday, mayday, like, all of that in my yeah. life as, as I was taking on more work that really didn't, like fulfill me, but it was because I was really Mm -hmm. trying to get close to checking boxes so that I can be promoted and be recognized for all of my efforts. I felt like I was entitled to that, even though now not being in that environment, I'm like, I could really care less. (laughs) Um, But that was like the way that my body was trying to get my attention. And it did in a way that really did get my attention, which was the chest pain. And so some of us, as we're kind of going through life and we're on this hamster wheel we don't even lean into our inner voice anymore or our intuition. In fact, we're conditioned to like not trust our voice. I think of when we were little okay. girls like and being told, you know, uh you should be seen and not heard. <laughs> right? And so I think of my little one now, I mean, he has a lot of opinions. He says what he wants to Mm -hmm. say, but he's really going off of kind of like, no, mommy, I love you, but I don't want to do this. Now, there's some things that you have to do. You have to abide by rules in my house, but sometimes I have to say, you know what? You're not feeling like that. That's okay. And for so many of us, because it's kind of been like, we've been conditioned to suppress what we really want to say. We have the the mm-hmm. elements of people pleasing, of perfectionism, all of these things as part of our conditioning as women and girls, um, we lose that sense of that inner voice or even in that intuition. And sometimes when our intuition is knocking up ups- us upside the head, you know, we kind of come up with excuses for why we wouldn't follow that. There were so many experiences in this transition that I would say, you know what, out loud, I don't want to do this. I just don't want to do this. And it would always be followed by a, but I'm really good at this. People really need me. Right. And all of these things, even though I started out by saying, I don't want to do this. And I felt really confident that that was the answer. And I kind of overrode yeah. my inner knowing by kind of trying to people please to have that external validation. And so it takes so much work, If but it's, but it's such fulfilling work to really sit with yourself and listen to that inner
1: voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the hardest word to say sometimes is no. And no, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. No. Complete sentence though. And know, period. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's a complete sentence. And you don't even need to give an excuse or, you know, you don't have to give a reason why no, but that's the answer is No. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we don't listen to ourselves when we're saying no to ourselves. And, um, and that's, you know, that's what gets us in trouble, actually. <laughs> you know, oh, we, for uh, sure. we just, yeah, you know, we forget. And, and yeah, and, and as, as women, we're, we're really discouraged from saying no. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, um, you know, and then the more successful we get, you know, because sometimes change comes from, Lack of success where, you know, people are feel like they're failing at something and then they they switch gears and they go into something that makes them feel really good. And they're very, very successful at. But other times, like in your case, you were incredibly successful to the world. Right. And so and so that comes with even more guilt, I would think, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm really disappointing or whatever, all these people, but you had to listen to your Mm no, And, um, and so, and you did. And I think that through that, you are going, you are encouraging so many women to, to do the same and to live better lives and to change, you know, to change the the trajectory of, of their lives. And, um, you know, and I love, and I love that you're working with women of a certain age, (laughs) I'm of that certain age, <laughs> <laughs> so you know. I I think that that's that women in their forty, I, I always say over forty. Um, over forty, yeah. It, over that was 40 when it, is <laughs> it, it Everything shifts, you know. And in I mean, one of our one of our recent podcasts, we said, you know, that's that's the age where you start getting zero fucks, and um, <laughs> right. and so that's. You know, you just do. I mean, I, I, I curse on this. I'm sorry, whoever's <laughs> listening in doesn't like that. But, uh, but whatever. That's just how I talk. And, you know, yeah, you, you start giving zero fucks about what people think about you and what, you know, society expects of you and you just start coming into your own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some people when they're younger, and and congrats on that, you know, if you can figure it out before you're 40 but i I know that I started transitioning at that point, right. and a lot of my friends did as well. and I hear it gets even better at fifty, so I'm very excited about oh, that. I'm, I'm so excited. 50. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, sure. you know, next year it's gonna, gonna be awesome. Um, but uh, but you know I, I I think that in in that era, you know of 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 starting to not care. And that's where we really start to come into our own and start realizing that, like for me, what I realized is that I had fewer years ahead of me than I did behind Mm. me. And I said, what am I going to do with the years I have left? Right. You know, and maybe I don't, maybe I have 50 more years ahead of me. I have no idea, but really statistically, I have fewer years ahead of me. Right. And what do I want those years to be? who do i want to be during those years mm-hmm. and uh, oh, and, so and what impact am i going to have on society on my family and on myself yeah. during that time
0: yeah.
1: and um and that's what that's what helps me go on i guess still you know in the path that i'm on and and i think that that's obviously what's going to help you to uh, continue <laughs> to do the wonderful stuff that you're doing you know um, and i will and, tell you it's freedom though right like yeah. freedom
0: to explore and not. I don't feel like I'm definitely feel like I'm still in transition. Like I, yeah. I officially left my role February 28th of this year. It's,
1: you so are so still, still, in still very.
0: It's yeah. like very fresh, but like now I have space to know what I want and what I don't want, and yes. that in and of itself is like really powerful that I can say whatever the next gig is because I actually miss patient care and so I'm trying to figure out how can I do it in a way that like um, fills my cup and serves my patients the best. Yeah. But I am now very unapologetically clear about what I want and what I don't want. and. It's to my benefit, but it's also to my patients' benefits. Like you don't want a miserable sure. doctor, right? Like somebody yeah. who doesn't have like the bandwidth to care for you and see you as a holistic being and treat you as a whole person. And so yeah. for me, I see this this space as being a space of freedom to really explore what is it that I do like, what is it that I don't like. So many times we don't even know how to have an opinion about ourselves. I know for mm-hmm. me, I ended up taking a medical leave of four weeks uh, when I found myself with crippling uh, chest pain and anxiety yeah. um, in my minivan. Yeah. And I literally was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, don't, I yeah. don't even know what my, my my talents are. I don't know what my habits are. I don't have hobbies, like, you know, I didn't even know who I was outside of these very traditional roles of like, I work and I'm a mom, you know? And it was really beautiful to just give myself space to explore what is it that I truly like? Like, what would it feel like to wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to take today off. Today is not a work day. Today is a day. My body needs you know, something else. So I'm going to give a little bit of space for that. And I was able to mm. get a little taste of that when I took my leave and I couldn't go back. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> of course. I, was like, Once experience I, I, build, build,
0: I need to build that type of space and in, in, in time. And, mm. you know, one of the things that helped me get some of that energy back and get some of that time back is what I call my quit formula. And so I mentioned it a little bit. It wasn't a slide, but I mentioned it a little bit that I realized that the way to heal myself through burnout and really kind of bring myself to what I'm what I call like this boundless midlife, it was a call to action in this like devotional that I was reading and it was like mm-hmm. asking like how are you showing up? Like are your is your life vast and immense and big and without bounds? And I felt very bound. I felt like I was doing This work that really didn't align with what I wanted to be doing, but it looked great on paper. And this is what was expected of me. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really bound. And I started challenging myself how can I live this boundless life? And just by quieting my mind, the idea of quitting came up. And so when you think of quitting, we're always taught that quitters never win, you know, you don't get ahead with quitting. Mm -hmm. And I was. And and the fact that it came to me, I'm like, wait, I know who I am. I'm resilient. I got a lot of grit. I am the poster child for overcoming (laughs) obstacles and barriers in life, Mm -hmm. right? But in this moment, I need to quit and I need to do it like figuratively and I need to do it like literally. And so the quit formula really centers like you, the individual, in terms of making decisions about what you want to take on and what you need to get rid of. What are those things that are no longer serving you? So the cue and quit is question why you're doing the thing you're doing. <laughs> so many times, I like that. we just take on things because we think we need to, and this is not just work. I'm talking about when it comes to the family, who's going to plan the reunion, who's going to plan Christmas. You do it because you feel like you have to, or do you do it because it really like energizes you because it really like is what lights you up. And so one of the first things when, when things would come up, I would question, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want some external praise or am I doing this because this is something that I'm really passionate about? And it requires a level of Mm -hmm. vulnerability with yourself because you have to admit to yourself, no, I just kind of want some attention right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, the you is understand the consequences if you choose to do it or if you don't. And the you is centered in this, the Y-O-U, the individual, because so many times we'll take something on because, well, if I don't do it, then this group of people will not have X and this person will be disappointed, but like the airline industry tells you to put your mask on first. So it doesn't matter how many people are helped by you taking it on. If it's going to like be soul sucking and you're going to be miserable doing it, then no one helps. That kind of like, if mommy's not happy, nobody's happy. Same, same, (laughs) the same idea. Yeah. And then the I is lean into your intuition. And this takes time to develop, and it is a practice, because so much of our lives, we have literally been told to not trust our intuition. I yeah. the, the role that actually had me that particular day, like with my chest pain in my minivan, um, I literally said out loud before even applying for the role or anything like that, you know, I don't really want to do this. And then it was followed by that but. And I yeah. kind of talked myself into it. And I bet you my intuition was just shaking her head, like, oh, I tried to get you out of this one and it had to knock me upside the head with chest pain to kind of like snap yeah. out of it. And so leaning into that intuition, we know when we want to do something and when we don't want to do something. Of and we make a lot of excuses. And sometimes we like beg and pray for a sign, like give me a sign that this is the right thing to do. And we'll get a sign yeah. saying, don't do it. And we will completely ignore that sign. Be like, that's yep. not what I wanted, you know? It's so really trusting that intuition, trusting that because you are good, I generally think that people are good. They are oriented towards good. Any decision that you make is gonna be a good decision. It's just a choice. Yeah. Right. Um, It's just a choice. And so if you're good, any decision that you make centering yourself is going to be a good decision. And then finally, the T is take action. One of the big things is that we can sit here and be like, oh, this is really cute. Oh, quit. I told you to quit. And it's actually an acronym. Yay! Um, But if you don't (laughs) do that final step, that T and take action, you are not changing the way that you are showing up in your brain. And sometimes taking action is not blowing up your life like I did by quitting your job, right? (laughs) Like sometimes it can be as something as simple as one of the first steps I did when I was considering leaving my job is I wrote the resignation letter and I put it in my drafts folder and it stayed there for a couple of weeks. But I was like, let me get out what I need. I need to feel this. I need to kind of get it out. I need to take an action. And I did it. And it actually, I was like, huh, this feels really good. I like what I said. I meant what I said. And then when I pressed send, that was another action. I pressed send. I felt this weight lifted. I felt really good. And it started letting me know that my worlds didn't fall apart. (laughs) The people that I cared about the most were still in my corner and still supporting me. I still had a roof over my head. I still had food to eat. I still had people to love. And so each time we have an opportunity to take an action, to challenge what we think we should do, shouldn't do, et cetera, we really demonstrate to ourselves our full, full potential.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love the quick formula. Um, <laughs> I, I, I need to get all that in writing so I can remember it because <laughs> right. yeah, 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 I know it's, it's, it's outstanding. I mean, that's, and the most important part being that last part, which is the taking action, which that's the hardest part to do is, um, is actually implement this and, um, and, and hopefully our the people listening are, are going to do just that because I think a lot of people are contemplating this or struggling with that. And, you know, they, their intuition is telling them this, that, and the other, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I, I encourage everybody to do just that is take action and do something about it. No matter how small, like you, you you're very very small, small, very Mm -hmm. small. Um, but it's something. It's it's the baby steps because this is all. These can all be baby steps. It doesn't have to be an overnight kind of thing for most people. It it can just be you know gradually shifting you know into right. a new life and uh, into a new way of doing things. So um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So tell me. Okay. So I think some people are going to have this question. So how has your family responded to all of this? <laughs>
0: Oh, family. So I will tell you, there was tons and tons and tons of shame on my part that I couldn't just shake off burnout. It, like I said I'm first generation everything and so it was like I was the manifestation of the American dream right like my family came here they were immigrants and in one generation I was like double ivy League physician college graduate married with three healthy kids like it was just like this huge leap it's amazing and I, yeah. and I will tell you my family loved me. <laughs> And I remember yeah. calling my mom, and she had been seeing. And I'm an only child, so she's like laser focused on me, even in my in my 40s. And I remember calling my mom and telling her what happened, and that I I was like, I think I'm gonna take a leave. Like, and I big question marks that I had. And her response was, "Thank God, you haven't been happy for a while. Yeah, take some time off." Yeah. And I was like, "Mom's okay. No. Mom's no." Yeah and then when i talked to my husband about it and it was medical leave and so you know i still had salary continuation and things like that he was like yeah i think you just need some rest and he had actually brought it up before that maybe you just need some rest like maybe you just need a little bit of a break now he's a physician as well and so i was like but you never take breaks and he's like yeah but it's okay like you need a break because i was just like we don't take breaks like physicians don't take breaks like I'm going to be a terrible colleague who's going to cover my call shifts and everything like that. My kids Mm -hmm. were so excited that I was home. In fact, my littles, they have this thing called the working parent and the regular parent. And he told me, he was like, you were a working parent, but now you're a regular parent. You still work, but you're here for us more. And I like that, you know? And Mm -hmm. I thought it was so funny because I, I, I love working. Like, I love seeing patients. I love, but I was like, oh... On my break, it's not that I wanted to leave medicine. I just wanted to leave the circumstances in which I was practicing medicine, and it was just exactly. like completely illuminating. By the end of my leave, I remember my husband and I went out, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, my wife is back! Hi, good to see oh. you." You know that I nice. felt like my my true essence had been gone for so long. And I think that once I got a taste of that, it wasn't vacation, right? It wasn't like a week off. You take a vacation and then you go back. It was really like a a period of time for me to examine what the next step was. And once I had a little bit of taste of what my life could be and I started like allowing myself to dream the possibilities of how I could practice differently, there was like no going back. Like I couldn't unsee what I saw in those four weeks. And so, my family, when I finally made the decision to quit, like fully leave my role, I mean, there was some planning behind that. My husband had to be on board. I didn't want to rush into a new role. I wanted to uh, be able to have a little ease about it. I wanted to take a break. Um, and so, knowing that. I'm a physician, like I contribute to my household financially, and then there would be a gap there. Uh, When it comes to my children and mommy being home more, I think they love that, you know, and, but we had to put some boundaries in place. Mommy's home more, but mommy's working on things. Um, Like she's developing her coaching practice. She's doing, like exploring different ways to practice and, and it's worked out. It's really worked out and it's giving me space now to Now, you know, I said that when I first started out, I fit my family into my career. Mm. I fit my family into my job. Now I'm doing it exactly the opposite. Whatever I take on, it has to fit into my life. It has to fit into the easiness that I want. Like whatever I do is going to be hardworking. Let's be real. Like that's just who we are. (laughs) We're hardworking folks. But there could be ease and enjoyment in the hard work. That's the life yes. that I'm building now.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, and you're happy. So they're happy. Yay. And, yes. and that's, <laughs> that's it, you know, and you can, you can tell, you know, I, I guess a lot of people are just listening to this without seeing us, but I'm seeing you and you are glowing and you <laughs> just seem, and I didn't know you before. So I don't know, maybe you always glow, um, but, I but it seems, it, okay, so there you go. You didn't. Uh, so now, you know, you can just see that, that happiness, you know, the just sheer joy in your situation, in your, you know, just in your life and, um, and that just goes to show that you made the right decision for sure. And I think so, like it's possible um, so, for
0: everyone. And I know that sounds like a little naive and things like that. Like I grew up, my family, they worked, they did what they had to do and they would get um, working yeah. a job and you, you do what you have to do, you know, but yeah. there are places in your life where you can carve out by quitting things that are no longer serving you, regardless of what stripe, whatever, wherever you come from, where you can carve out just a little bit of space just for yourself. Give up the thing mm-hmm. that's not serving you, and carve out a little bit of space just to kind of like develop, like dream, develop an idea. Um, you know, for for one of the early things that I that I realized I didn't have hobbies. Like I had yeah. no hobbies. Like I didn't know what the, what I liked. I and either. honestly, now my jam is like buying you know, the flowers at the grocery store, you know, those three for $12 ones, you know, the big bunches and like just cutting (laughs) them and making little like arrangements and things like that. Like it's the small things, almost sometimes the mundane things that really fill our cup. And I know that sounds hokey, but it really is true.
1: It's the little pleasures, but that's what life's supposed to be about is Mm -hmm. you should have little pleasure. I mean, you can have big pleasures too. Of course it's lovely, but but daily little pleasures mm-hmm. add up and they really do yes. change your soul. And, yeah. uh, and that's, you know, that's the goal is is to fill that, you know, and to, and to fill it and to feel it and to, mm-hmm. to know that that's, that's where you're supposed to be. And, right. um, you know, and, and so not, not where you were, but where you're supposed to be
0: because right.
1: you think it, not because somebody else does. Indeed. So, um, So yeah. Yeah. So I know we don't have a lot of time left because you have another appointment because of course you're super busy. Um, But, uh, but tell me um, just so, so what are you seeing in, in your future in the next, I don't know, the next six months? Cause we don't need to go all the way out to a year.
0: Yes. When I tell you I've been dreaming today, I've allowed myself to dream today. So one of the things that I actually was working on, um, a couple years ago was uh, really speaking to women about having a boundless midlife. I am a menopausal health specialist. I'm nationally mm-hmm. certified through the North American Menopause Society, and you know, for someone, especially when I was first starting out in my early thirties, to like love this transition and love caring mm-hmm. for women in this transition, not just like the actual. Hormonal physiologic changes that are happening, but just kind of some of the psychosocial things that are happening. Because yeah. um, I feel like it's such an incredibly powerful time in life. I've been like playing with this idea of, well, could I make that a practice? And of course, you kind of like, I'm at night and I'll buy the domain and I might mm-hmm. get the trademark and not use it for anything. And mm-hmm. um, in addition to my coaching, which is Burnout to Boundless. It's a six-month coaching container for professional women of color who want to learn this quit model, have the accountability of their coach, and then really take that new energy to the next level and do it through their passion work, purpose work. Lots are finding that through entrepreneurship and walking women through that over six months has been incredible. So that is still there. But I'm kind of like, the model that I want is I want to be that person that when you're in that midlife journey, you're you're hitting 40 and you're like, what is happening to my body? How can I show up as my best self? Oh, yeah. As a clinician providing evidence-based care, whether that's hormonal care or non-hormonal care, that is what I wanna do. And so literally on Monday, okay. I had the challenge, the absolute challenge to move forward with my telehealth practice. And so <gasps> I, I've, I'm writing really broad strokes right now in terms of what this will look like, but to be able to provide telehealth care um, in a very kind of like niche love on you uh, way where I get to spend as much time with this cohort exclusively focusing on gynecology and menopausal health, perimenopausal mm-hmm. health, um, That is com- that will be here in six months.
1: I love that. That's fantastic. And is it just for people? Is it for people in the Atlanta area? Right? Because you're in Atlanta, right? I'm in, yeah, I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. So Um, I have a Georgia license.
0: So it'll Uh be starting off in the, uh, like the state of Georgia. Um, Uh But I am working on licensure in other states around, including Florida. Um, And so so as I build kind of like my licensure, right now I'm licensed in South Carolina and Texas. And so I will be... Branching Excellent. out and providing telehealth care, um, where we do hormone therapy or not, we talk about sexual health, how to how to bring things back, and you get me. You don't get the 10, 15 minute rushed yeah. appointment. You get really deliberate care with me.
1: I love that. I love that.
0: I'm so You're, excited.
1: <laughs> yes, it's super exciting. That's I can't wait. Come to Florida, definitely. <laughs> I'm just saying I could use some of that So uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, all joking aside, I think this is fantastic. So, so congratulations. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Stay Still tuned. In your cup. Yes, absolutely. Well, we can have you back and then you can talk all about that. So, oh, yes. Like the
0: the whole like kind of perimenopausal transition and physiologically what's happening to your body and how society and the medical field has really um, not served women in this uh, in this transition well Mm. at all. all. Um, And so hoping to do my part to change that a little bit.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. So th- thank you for helping women with all sorts of transitions, whether it's yes. menopause, <laughs> perimenopause, or just transitioning in life to something else and to entrepreneurship or whatever it is that they end up doing. So uh, so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your coming on the show and, and giving us your insights and your wonderful story, which is just fascinating. And, uh, and I hope, you know, I, I wish you the very best, which, you know, I, knowing, knowing how happy you are, I think, you know, happiness breeds, you know, good luck, I guess, you know, and, and (laughs) and it makes you, it makes you do great things. And I think you, you definitely are doing great things. So uh, thank Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening uh, to Taniqua's amazing story. We look forward to having uh, another great guest on in one of the next podcasts. But for now, we're going to say goodbye and have a great day.